want you to notice with me uh, here in this miracle that we've read that this is the sixth recorded miracle of our Lord. Jesus has already turned the water into wine. He has healed the noble son. Uh, he has uh, cast a demon out of a synagogue and he has healed uh, Peter's mother and he has drew in a great multitude of fishes and now uh, Christ is going to do something that he has never done before. Uh, we find here that the Bible talks about the man in verse number 40. And I want you to notice this man in verse number 40, for the Bible calls him a leper. Uh, he is not, his name is not mentioned, uh, but his need is mentioned. And I want to tell you, uh, I'm glad this morning the world may not know my name. And it does not matter if the world knows my name. But what I want the world to know is that the need that was in my life that I could not meet has been met by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When you and I get to heaven, it's not going to be about our name and it's not going to be about our fame. As we stand before God, it's all going to be about the need. Amen. Every man needs God. Isn't that right? Every man needs Calvary. Every man needs the Lord Jesus. Amen. Every man needs to be washed in the blood and be born again. And we all have the same need. We may not have the same name, but we do have the same need. Isn't that right? We must be born again. When I think about this man, the Bible tells us that he is a leopard. And you know that leprosy is one of the oldest diseases that is found in the world even today. It's good. It dates back as far as uh, even before 1500 B.C. Uh, leprosy was a reality. It was an awful plague that, that was upon man. But leprosy in the Bible is always a picture and a type of sin. And so this man is a leper, the Bible says. And notice in verse Verse number 40, uh, three things about this man. I see first of all, I see him begging. As the Bible said that there came a leper to him beseeching him. Uh, this man comes before Christ uh, and he doesn't come uh, uh, in a dignified manner. He doesn't come in a, in a very proudful manner. But the Bible makes it clear that when he comes into the presence of Jesus, uh, he is beseeching him. He is begging him. Now I know that God uh, it doesn't take no pleasure in man begging him. But the truth of the text is this. If you're going to get anything from God, you're going to have to learn how to beg. Amen. You're going to have to learn how to humble yourself uh, and to come into his presence. And that is what this man is doing here. He is coming before Christ. Uh, and I see this man is begging. And then I see that this man here is beneath Jesus. The Bible said that he knelt down to him. You know, you'd be surprised people that are not willing to bow their head and bend their knee. I'll tell you this morning, a bowed head and a bent knee doesn't mean a person gets saved. But a man that's not willing to bow his head and bend his knee will never get saved. You say, well, preacher, I know somebody that got saved that didn't bow at an altar. They, they didn't get on their knees. And I understand that it's not the, the very act that saves a person. It's not the experience that saves a person. But uh, that bowing of the head, that bending of the knee, it shows that humility. It shows that willingness to surrender to that authority that you're calling out to. This man surrendered his, his life. He surrendered his heart uh, to Jesus Christ. And when I see this man, I see this man is begging. I see this man... He is bowing. He is beneath the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but then I want you to notice in verse number 40 that this man is believing. Amen. Look what he says to him. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You say, preacher, do you believe this man had faith? I do. 
And I'll tell you how much faith I believe this man had. He's the first leper that Jesus ever came in contact with. Had he been one that, had he come to Jesus after the healing of the ten lepers, then it would be easy to say, or to see why this man believed, because he would have heard the story, he would have heard what Jesus had done for them, and would have thought, maybe he can do this for me. But this man is the first leper that Jesus encounters here. Leprosy was such a dreaded disease. It's a messianic miracle, meaning this that they knew that only Messiah could heal one by the touch. Of leprosy. We know that Elijah healed, uh, that God used him, uh, and he told Nahum to go dip seven times uh, uh, in the river there. Uh, but my friend, leprosy had never uh, been cleansed and never been healed by the touch of a man. Uh, and when Jesus touched him, uh, he knew, my friend, that only Messiah could do that. But oh, what faith this man must have had in spite of his sickness, uh, in spite of his disease. Uh, he still had faith to believe uh, that if Jesus could do that, if he could turn the water into wine. If he could heal the noble man's son, if he could help others, then Jesus could help me. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning, there's no sinner too big. There's no sin too deep. There's no person lives so sorry. There's no one so far down on the gutter of sin that what the hand of God can't reach down. I'm glad that he can reach further down than what you and I can reach up. But thank God for the day. I bless the day that he reached down and pulled me out of the muck. He pulled me out of the mire. All I could do was beg. All I could do was get down below and bow my head. But thank God I believed that what God did for others, He'll do it for me and He'll do it for you. Hallelujah. And I see the man in this text. We don't know his name, but we know his position. He was beneath the Lord. He is begging the Lord. He, he is believing the Lord this morning. If you're here and you're lost, I want to tell you, if you'll come to this old-fashioned altar and if you'll get low, if you'll bow your head, if you'll bend your knee, and if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then thou shalt be saved. You say, Brother Gravely, would it be that easy that if I just got out of my seat and come to this altar and bowed my head and cried out to the Lord and believed God to save me. Is it really that easy? Would he save me? I want to tell you, friend, he would save you this morning. Salvation is not complicated. Can I get a witness on that? We complicate salvation. We, we struggle with salvation. But the plan of salvation is crystal clear this morning. If you'll just take the message as it is and believe the message as it is. You may be a seven-year-old boy or a seven-year-old girl this morning. You may be a young person and you may know, well, I've never drank and smoked. I've never got out and lived like Brother George and other, others have lived. But you know you need to be saved. You know that you've never been born again. You know that if you died, you'd go the same hell that any drunkard or anybody else would go to. If you know that and you understand that and you know that you have a need and you know that Jesus can save you from hell and from sin, if you'll come and believe on him this morning, I want to tell you God will save a seven-year-old just like he'll save a 70-year-old. Amen. He's not lost his power this morning. It's faith, isn't it? 
His faith in the Word of God. It's just simple faith. Uh, trust and obey this morning for there is no other way. Acts chapter 16, he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Amen. I'm going to tell you why it is so easy for uh, someone that's not been in church to get saved versus someone that's been in church uh, is because they have been out in sin and they know they deserve hell. But I'll tell you, if you've been raised on a, you know, on a church pew all your life uh, and you're a young person this morning, you need to come to the realization you deserve the same hell that anybody else deserves. Uh, but you don't have to go to hell. Your good works will not get you to heaven. It's a gift of God, not a works, lest any man should boast. Uh, but if you'll come by way of the cross uh, and if you'll just trust Calvary, don't trust religion, don't trust your goodness, uh, but if you'll trade your wickedness uh, for the righteousness of Christ, uh, if you'll believe on Jesus, thou shalt be saved this morning. In fact, I think there's a lot of people that need a good old-fashioned dose of salvation. I see the man. Then I see the master. Notice verse 41. The Bible said, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. You know, that is so simple this morning, isn't it? It's just a simple message. This leopard came to Jesus. I didn't know this, but I was reading something the other day on leprosy by G. Campbell Morgan, and he made this statement. He said, leprosy required a man to be segregated in stages. Whenever he found out that he had leprosy, he had to cry unclean. He had to let others know because it was such a contagious disease. And so he had to keep his family, his friends away. And so when he would see that white spot on him, uh, he would cry unclean and he would have to go and live without the city and live uh, somewhere away with a bunch of lepers or live by himself in seclusion. There had to be a separation, a segregation because of that disease. Amen. There's something I didn't know about that disease. I was reading G. Campbell Morgan. He made this statement. He said that once leprosy had completely consumed the body, and that leopard was as white as white could be from head to toe, he was no longer contagious. The leprosy had spread. The sentence of death was on that man, but he was no longer contagious. He could be around his family. He could be around his friends, uh, though they would loathe him and would not want to be around him. And, and, and G. Campbell Morgan said that is no doubt that's why this man came to Jesus and knelt down in his very presence. Those other ten lepers, uh, no doubt they were still in that separation uh, state. They cried unto the Lord and Jesus helped them from a distance. Why? Because they knew they couldn't come near. Jesus would never break the law. Can I get an amen on that? He would never go against Leviticus. 13 and 14. He would never go against the Word of God. This man had the death sentence upon him. He was in the final stages. In other words, uh, he was uh, the clutches of death was upon him. He was, with, he was beyond any hope whatsoever of ever recovering from this disease. Uh, he was in the final stage uh, when, listen, everybody had been called in uh, and, listen, all hope was gone. Uh, but thank God when all hope was gone, uh, I'm glad the help was on the way. Uh, no sinner is too far gone that what Jesus can't heal him, amen. Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus touched him in his worst condition, amen. And he healed him. And I see the master in this text that the belief, the faith, you want to know how strong faith is this morning? Look at verse 41. It did two things. Number one, it, it moved the heart of God. 
The Bible said, and Jesus moved with compassion. You ever told someone something? You ever bore your heart and just poured your heart out to someone? And when you poured your heart out to them, you could tell that it didn't mean anything. Maybe you were going through something. You had a burden. You had a trial. And you, and you, and you told them and, and you realized that they weren't really listening or, or they weren't really moved by what was moving you. I want to tell you something about God this morning. You'll never lay anything at His feet that burdens you and that bothers you that what it does not touch Him. Amen. I'm glad that we serve a God that not only hears and not only answers, but He can be touched. Amen. With a feeling of our infirmities. That means He feels what we feel. Amen. He feels it the way we feel it. I mean, he can sympathize. Uh, he can empathize uh, with what we're going through. Uh, he doesn't just know where we're at, but he feels where we're at. Uh, he is standing in the same place. Uh, and when this leper came, he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Uh, and Jesus, uh, his heart was moved when he saw this man. He looked at him. He saw his condition. He saw the desperation in his eyes and he could hear it in his voice. He knew that this man had no other hope and it moved the heart of God. I want to tell you this morning, there are times that when we pray, we may feel like our prayers don't get above the ceiling only to find out that it moved the heart of God. Prayer works this morning, doesn't it? This leper didn't have a pretty prayer. He didn't pray a long prayer. It wasn't a prayer that would have, would have impressed anybody. He didn't articulate any words uh, in this statement, but he simply took the need uh, and he laid it before the master and the need was sincere and the need was, well, had a burden with it and it moved the heart of our Savior. He was moved uh, with such compassion and love. Uh, I want to tell you, there's a lot of reasons to pray, but you and I ought to pray because when we pour our heart out to God... It moves his heart. Amen. I mean, who to think that someone like you and I could pray to a great big old God, uh, uh, bigger than this world and bigger than this universe, uh, and my burden and my need uh, can move his very heart. Amen. This morning, I see that it moved not only the heart of God, but notice in verse 41, it moved the hand of God. Because these are precious words in this text. He said that he put forth his hand. And he touched him. Before he ever heard the promise, you know what he felt? He felt a touch. That, same, that, that touch, Jesus was, was moved with compassion. His heart was moved, but it moved the hand of God. He's about to receive a promise, but before he receives that promise, uh, he feels that touch. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you and me, but it meant a whole lot to this leper because people did not want to touch a leper. No matter what someone said. You know, it's kind of like COVID. If I had COVID, and I pray I don't. If I had it, and I got over it, and I went through the whole extensive thing of being quarantined and everything, and I come in and I sit down next to you, you're either going to get real uncomfortable or you're going to find an excuse to go to the restroom. Is that right? Now, why are we like that? It don't matter how many doctors clears us. It don't matter what people say. Uh, listen, uh, somehow there's a part of us that, you know, we just feel like, well, you know, I know you say you're better, but are you really better? Now, come on, don't be that sanctified this morning. 
You know, you, somebody, he coughed in the 9 o'clock service, and can I go ahead and make the announcement? He's got acid reflux really bad. He's had it for months. And he's talking to me one day on the phone. He got the cough, and I said, man, you got cancer. He said, what? And I said, I said, you're doing a lot of coughing. You've been to the doctor lately? He said, yeah. And he, he, went through, he went through the whole thing and told me about it. And you know what? In my mind, I thought, I hope he don't have cancer. <laughs> he coughed and this morning, and he'll probably cough tonight. But, you know, it's just, I mean, you can be anywhere and cough or sneeze, and people, they scatter like roaches. I mean, they're scared to death. Can you imagine if a leopard walked in this building this morning? Leprosy is not as dreaded today as what it used to be. It, listen, I, I read some articles sometime back about, uh, about a dear missionary lady that, that, that spent her whole life working in leprosy colonies and, and she even worked down in Louisiana uh, where there were some leprosy colonies years ago. And I thought, Louisiana? I mean, there's some strange people down there. But I thought, leprosy in Louisiana? Sure enough, years ago, she did. What I'm telling you this morning is is that this man had not felt a touch in a very long time. A touch of compassion, a touch of tenderness, a a touch of love. He he had not felt a touch in so long. It would be good for just someone to reach out and grab a hold of him and show a a tender touch of compassion whenever your heart is breaking, whenever you're going through a trial. A brother or sister put their arm around you. Sometimes just that that touch of that that individual, that loved one, uh, it soothes, it calms, it it helps you in the midst of your trial, your situation. This man had been without that. But I want to tell you not only... Did he feel a touch of compassion? But he felt a touch uh, like he had never felt before in all of his life. Uh, the hand that reached out and got a hold of him uh, was the same hand that dug out the valley. It was the same hand that formed up the mountains. Uh, it was the same hand that slung the stars out uh, into the universe. Uh, it was the same hand uh, that had reached down and formed Adam from the dust of the ground. Uh, I'm telling you, he felt a touch uh, on his life uh, like he had never felt before. Amen. I'll tell you, just one touch of the master's hand. I'm about to get blessed myself. One touch of the master's hand. Brother Laddie, it makes all the difference. There have been some times I prayed to him and I felt like he was nowhere to be found. I felt like my prayers wouldn't get above the ceiling. But somewhere in that moment of prayer, I felt the touch. I felt the touch of God. Oh, there's nothing like the touch of God in our life. Amen. At times preaching, uh, you'll preach and you'll think, man, I've got this all by myself uh, and the Lord will let it be that way for a little while, but he'll reach down and he'll touch you. I want to tell you this morning, he moved the heart, but he moved the hand of God. can, Can you imagine that if you and I will pray, we can move God's hand? There's things that as Brother... Brother Noah was talking about this morning something he had been praying about, something he had been asking God for, and God answered that prayer. Now, we know that we're nobody, but you touched the heart and the hand of God's what you did. And I'm telling you, the devil says it's not possible. But how many times have, have you and I, we could testify 
of experiences where God answered prayer. When it looked like there was no way, God made a way. When it looked like it could not happen, God brought it to pass. When it looked like there was no resource, but somewhere, somehow, some way, God brought the money in. He sent in the money to meet the need. Why? Because you asked. I'm simply saying this morning, I see that this man's simple prayer moved the heart. Move the hand of God. I see the master. I see the man. And then I see the miracle. Look, the Bible said in verse 42, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. In this verse, I see this man was changed. The Bible said as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed. This man was changed by the very word of God. Jesus touched him with a touch of compassion, but then he made a promise. He said, I will be thou clean. And when Jesus said that, as soon, the Bible says, you ought to underline that little phrase, as soon as Jesus said it, it happened. You know, I remember a few years ago, they was a, they was a, uh, uh, they was a, I don't know what you would call it. It wasn't a religion. I reckon it was just a, there was a certain religion that had come out with a, 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 a teaching that they had that was a, it was a 14 or something. I don't know if it was a 14. It might have been 7 or something. But anyway, it was, a, it was a, like a 7 or 14 step to salvation, to recovery. I, when, I, when I heard about that, I thought to myself, you know, I'm glad there's not, I'm not, glad there's not seven steps to salvation. I think it was the Church of Christ that came out with this. And, and it was if you read this book, and probably it was a money maker, I'm sure, that if you read this book and you followed the steps, it would lead to salvation. And I'm going to tell you, it's not a seven-step process. Amen. Jesus don't have to progressively save somebody or progressively uh, help somebody along the way. Jesus spoke the word and as soon as the words rolled off his lips, uh, this man, we're talking about leprosy from head to toe. We're talking final stages. Uh, we're talking about no hope whatsoever. We're talking about you're in the last leg of the journey, friend, uh, and it looks like you're about to go under. And as soon as he spoke the word, uh, his entire body cleared up. Uh, the white went away. The, the leprosy left him. This man was made whole from top to bottom. What a miracle. What a man. What a message. Amen. That Jesus can take a drunkard. He don't have to go through a 12 step process. He don't need AA when he gets saved. If he gets salvation, thank God. He can pour the liquor out. He can pour the beer out. He can say goodbye to the wild living and gambling. I'm telling you there's a change on the inside. And when a person has been stooped in religion and they live lily white, when they get saved, they can say goodbye to religion and hello, Christianity. Yeah. Amen. Religion says do, do, do. It'll make you miserable and you'll be empty and there'll be no joy. But when you get saved, Christianity says it's already been done. And hallelujah, I don't serve him because I have to. I serve him because I want to. Amen. Is this not the best life you've ever lived? I'm telling you, you can have the liquor, you can have the booze, you can have the good time and you can have the dope, you can have the pot, you can have the drugs, you can have the women, you can have all that stuff, you can have the world, you can have the money, you can have the riches. Just give me Jesus. Amen. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. Hallelujah. And he was changed. I see here in this miracle, I see that not only was he changed, but he was cleansed. The Bible says, and he was cleansed. To a leper, 
That had to mean everything. To know that that disease was forever gone. But he had never suffered with the sores, the stigma. Leprosy would take off your fingers, your toes, your nose. It's where it would begin and it would eventually just eat the entire body. The stigma, the embarrassment, the humiliation of that, how bad and how terrible it was. But Jesus cleansed every bit of that corruption. Can you imagine that? Getting up one day, a filthy, dirty, rotten leopard, and going to bed that night clean and made whole. I'm preaching, I didn't didn't give you my title, but I'm preaching on from filthiness to cleanliness. This guy woke up filthy, but he went to bed clean. You know what happened the day you got saved? You woke up filthy. Just another day, this side of the grave. Dirty, rotten, hell-deserving sinner. Sorry and low down, stooped in sin, all to die and go to hell. But thank God you woke up or you went to bed clean. Remember the day I got saved? I, I didn't know John 3.16. I didn't know Romans 5.8 or Romans 10.13. All I knew was when I pillowed my head that night, I had something I'd never had before in all of my life. I had peace in my heart about eternity. I was able to close my eyes that night and go to sleep and not worry about going to hell. I was able to pillow my head that night and know that if I never woke up again this side of eternity, I'd be basking in the arms of Jesus, uh, safe, uh, saved forever for time and eternity. How about you? this morning friend I'm just simply saying this uh, this man was changed this man was cleansed uh, and then this man was charged look at verse 43 and he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away I want to tell you nobody, Jesus don't save nobody that what he don't charge them he changes them he cleanses them but then he gives them a charge he gives them instructions you see God don't leave you where he found you y'all still with me amen, amen. it's just 1120 in Alabama don't get nervous Amen. Do you know what? He doesn't leave you. He doesn't leave you where he found you. I'm glad he didn't just save me from hell. Amen. I'm glad I'm saved from hell this morning. But I'm glad that after I got saved, you know what salvation does? It turns a light on for you. Amen. Man, whenever when Adam sinned in the garden, you know what happened? Uh, listen, his soul became de- his spirit became dead, his soul became darkened, uh, and his body began to decay. Isn't that right? Uh, but I want to tell you, whenever a man gets justified in the in the spirit, amen, uh, his spirit becomes alive because the Lord moves in, uh, and then his soul or his mind uh, that is darkened because it's light because God turns the light on and his body has life in it on the inside. I want to tell you that's what God does for you when he saves you. He gives you a God conscience. Holy Spirit moves inside. He turns the light on and all of a sudden, thank God this book that was dead, it comes alive unto you. Amen. We know the word of God's not dead, but we were dead, wasn't we? And I could hear preaching before I got saved. Do you ever heard people make statements like this? I just don't see that. They hear a preacher get up and preach and take it right out of the text and say, well, I just don't understand that. I'm not telling you I understand everything in the Bible. But I remember when I was lost, I went to church and the preacher, man, I'm telling you, listen, I remember going to church and he blew out rock music. I went home and I was telling my mother, I said, can you believe the preacher? You're not going to believe what the preacher preached on today. Now, I never cared what he preached on. But he got on rock music and, I, and my mother was lost. And so I told her, I said, I remember sitting there in the kitchen. I said, he preached that rock music was wrong. 
Now, some of y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all don't listen to rock music, do you? And I told her, I said, I can't believe he preached that. And we had a conversation, two lost people having a conversation about rock music. After I got saved, I can't believe I listened to it. Amen. I got saved. My little, had a little radio in my bedroom. It always stayed on KZ 106. Night and day it stayed on. And when I got saved, I, I remember going in that bedroom and had I walked in that bedroom and had them wicked posters hanging on the wall. I don't glory in none of that. And I'll tell you, it never bothered me one day. But I'll tell you, after I got born again, I remember walking in that bedroom and something. That's clean, hallelujah. That's clean on the inside, brother laddie. And I walked in that bedroom and something on the inside, a voice spoke to me and said, son, you want to turn that radio off. You don't want to listen to that music no more. i tell you, I turned that radio off. I didn't want to listen to that music. didn't even know why, but I didn't want to listen to it no more. I laid in the bed that night and I looked at them posters hanging on that wall uh, and something on the inside said, don't you want to take them posters down? Uh, i tell you what I did. I took them down the next morning, went down to a ditch uh, and threw every one of them in the ditch and by the grace of God, uh, I've never went back to it. Uh, never had a desire to go back to it. Uh, that's what Jesus will do. Uh, he'll cleanse you. He'll make you different. Amen. He'll change your life. He'll put some instruction in you. And I close with this thought. I see the message is this. And he saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man. But go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for the cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony. The message to this man was say nothing. Show yourself to the priest and make a sacrifice. And what they would do is they would take two birds and they would take a rod and they would take a scarlet thread and some hyssop. They would kill that bird and dip that, that rod and they would dip that bird in that living bird in that blood. They would set that bird free and they would take that rod and sprinkle it seven times over the shoulder of that leopard and then he would go out and for seven days he would wash and cleanse and separate from his house and then on the eighth day he would do that same process again and then he would go back and he would offer a trespass, a burnt offering and, and a peace offering there and he would be pronounced clean. Do you know what the day you and I got saved... I didn't bring two birds down to the altar. I thank God I didn't have to bring an offering eight days later. I didn't have to go home and get in a shower and wash and wash all my clothes and, and stay away from my house. No, I'll tell you, all I had to do was come to an old-fashioned altar. Kneel down and say, Dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I'm going to tell you, the blood had already been shed. I didn't have to shed no blood. The sacrifice had already been given. The price had already been paid. I'm telling you, salvation's free this morning. If you'll come and if you'll accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, He'll save you on the terms of the gospel. Now, this old boy makes a mistake in verse number 45. I don't know if he was so excited or why, but he went out and he began to publish, in much, publish it much and blaze abroad the matter in so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into that city but was without in desert places. And I want to say this as they get his song ready. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But the truth of the text is it's never right to disobey God. This, this boy probably had so much zeal that he couldn't contain himself. But the instruction was to not tell anything. And while he had zeal and he intended to do good, he actually hindered the work of God. You know, you and I have to be careful that we don't let our zeal get in the way of God's will 
Amen. Just because something is a good thing doesn't mean that it's what God wants us to do. You would think telling everybody what Jesus did for him would have been wonderful. Christ knew there would come a day when he could tell that. But not on this day. I want to ask you as we stand this morning.